The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 1. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, Many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. Sarah, thank you very much indeed. Do keep that open. It's an interesting little story that Jesus tells. Let's pray that he'd help us as we look at it together. Father, help us, help us. Give us, we pray, ears to hear and eyes to see, a mind that would understand uh, what Jesus is saying here and what it means to us today. Amen. Well, uh, if you you follow that story, this morning we're testing soils. Now, that's exciting, isn't it? Um, Particularly for city centre, many of us city centre dwellers with our window boxes or our urban gardens. Maybe not many of us are fabulous gardeners, but we're testing soils this morning. I'm an enormous disappointment to my own father. He is a gardener. He used to own and manage a garden nursery. He's about to turn 80 and still people will drive up my parents' roads to see John Fuller's garden because it is quite something to behold. He's a gardener and I'm an enormous disappointment to him. I couldn't tell him the difference between clay soil, sandy soil, 
or what apparently is the holy grail, loam soil. I don't know what the difference between any of those are and what plants you need to plot and put in them. But Jesus says it's soils we're concerned with. He's offering us a, a soil test. Well, actually, he's not really offering it to us. Because this soil test that he presents is much more of a challenge to us. Because Jesus would say to us, gathered here this morning, every one of us falls into one of these four soils. It's not an exhaustive list that um, is here. I mean, there'd be people who who would... But if you're here this morning listening to Jesus' words, then all of us fall into one of four categories. So essentially, Jesus' challenge is, which kind of soil are you? Now, we started today looking at this chapter of Matthew's Gospel. If you're joining us for the first time, we're slightly slowly working our way through this book, the, the Gospel of Matthew. We come to chapter 13. Chapter 13 is a whole uh, section on parables, stories that uh, Jesus told. Now, if you have some sort of uh, familiarity with some of these stories in, in, um, of the parables of Jesus, you may have grown up with a Sunday school understanding, which is parables. They're, I don't know, uh, earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. They're beautiful little anecdotes that Jesus tells to make complicated things much more simple and straightforward. Apart from, that's not what he says he's doing here. So in this scene, the crowd gathers, big crowd, verse 3, so Jesus has to stand in a boat and preach. Probably didn't get too animated, that would have been embarrassing, that would have been my mistake, and uh, fallen in. But he's preaching then to a large crowd on the shore, and we're told... Uh, Verse 3, he told them many things in parables. And he tells the story about a farmer and different soils. And he concludes his anecdote, verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. Now at this point, no explanation. It's a farmer, he goes out and sows some soils. And um, uh, if you can understand what I'm saying, good. Jesus has arrived on the scene and declared himself God's king, God on earth. And yet his message is, I'm telling you a story, anyone understand it? Can you imagine any politician running for political office doing something similar? Standing up and giving a slightly obscure speech and then just sitting down and saying, what do you make of that? I mean, that's a million miles away from contemporary politics where everyone has to be on message and say the same thing over and over again. So you get incredibly bland interviews now if you watch something like Newsnight when um, the politician clearly has their message, whatever it may be, my party loves voters. And it doesn't matter what they're asked, whatever question, what do you think will happen if Greece defaults? Well, the most important thing to remember is my party loves voters. And uh, what about quantitative easing? A little bit more in the economy? Perhaps. But more important is the fact that my party loves voters. And they just say the same thing over and over again because they have one message they want to get it across. But Jesus... Well, the disciples gather around him in verse 10 and say, why do you speak to the people in parables? Boss, what are you doing? No one one understands what you're saying. What are you on about? Why not just give it to them straight, both barrels? Why the story element to it? And he explains in 11 to 13, that's slightly shocking, I think. Essentially what he says here is my parables are... They're like an enormous sieve. 
So everyone jumps in, and, I, and I, the parable shakes the sieve, and the dross just falls away, and what you're left with is well, genuine believers. So when I tell a parable, says Jesus, some people get it, other people don't, and that's my intention. I'm sieving the, the genuine from the false. So let's see what he says. Um, verse 12. Whoever has will be given more, and he'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So these parables, they are a, a great way of teaching, but they require a measure of commitment if you're to understand what Jesus is saying. Essentially, I guess, to, to put it simply, it's the principle of you, you, excuse me, you use it or you lose it. I think that's the principle there. Jesus gives you certain knowledge and you either act upon it and, develop, and become and grow in your faith or, or you don't. And whatever knowledge you have, understanding is, is removed. It's use it or lose it. Now we understand that principle there physically. Muscles, we use them, or they atrophy and they become feeble and useless. Apparently it happens the same way mentally. You, you use your brain, and so I'm told, we can peak mentally aged 70-odd. Now that is an enormous encouragement to me. Um, but if you fail to use your brain actively... So I understand, certainly from 50 onwards, you'll start to slide. You use it and you keep on developing. Lose it, or sorry, you fail to use it and, well, you just fade a little bit. Not quite as sharp. You have a few more senior moments going on uh, if you don't use your mind deliberately. You use it or lose it. And that's Jesus' spiritual principle here for his teaching. Or verse 13 is even blunter. Verse 13, this is why I speak to them, the people in parables. Those seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled what was said in Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, never understanding. Seeing, but never perceiving. Why? Well, verse 15, these people's hearts have become calloused. So they barely hear with their ears and they close their eyes. Jesus says, you know what, when I, when I deliver a parable... Some people will be listening and trying to work out, yeah, okay, I, others, if I can put it this way, others will be like Sarah Palin at a Barack Obama rally. They're not listening. Their arms are folded. They are pretty furrow-browed, and they're not listening to very much. That's not a political point. You can flip it around. Barack Obama at the Tea Party Foundation. You know, just their, their mind is made up. They're not really listening to what's going on. They've calloused their hearts, Jesus says towards him, spiritually speaking. They see, but they don't really see. They hear, not really listening to what Jesus is saying. They've got their prejudices in place. And so they don't really want anything to disturb them. So as we look at this parable, Jesus says to us today, I'm sieving you. So some will be here today and uh, hear what is said, or hear the reading and hear what is said, and just not hear anything, or just wash over. And others will be struck and think, gosh, I, I, I get what Jesus is saying here. So if you are visiting, visiting us today, I, I'm almost sorry, because this is quite a blunt sermon or a blunt challenge Jesus gives. He says there are four different types of soil, and three of them are no good, and uh, only one of them is. 
and I'm saving you, he says. Let's have a look then at um, this parable in a bit more detail, this parable of the soils. You get the explanation then in um, verses 18 to uh, the end of the little section, verse 23. Let me read that to you. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Okay, says Jesus. Four types of soil. Let's run through them fairly quickly. Four types of soil. I've put them this way, described them this way. Hard soil, shallow soil, squeezed soil, fertile soil. That's a bit forced, but um, bear with me. First then, hard soil. That's a path. That's pretty hard soil. Okay, hard soil. Verse 4 is the uh, initial description in the story. As he, the farmer was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came up and ate it. Now, Jesus is quite clear here. If you look across to his interpretation, verse 19, the seed is his teaching about himself as the king of a kingdom. So verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. That's the seed sown along the path. Now, it's some interesting things here. Notice the seed is, it says, in the heart, sown into the heart. Now, back in the thinking of the day, the heart is what we would describe as head and heart put together. The head is a place where you do your thinking. The heart, where you're emotionally motivated to do things. For the first century Jew, that would have been both combined into one. The heart is the cockpit of your life in many senses. Now, so here is a person who well, comes along to church, hears something of Jesus' teaching, is intrigued, interested stimulated they hear something and yet well they never do anything about it nothing happens it's interesting nothing happens the seed is snatched away maybe they come back in six months later because they know there's something there's something about jesus that is interesting intriguing they hear it but but never do anything so the seed is snatched away and Jesus says is that you maybe so often you, you you're very sympathetic towards Jesus Christ find him appealing in many ways and every now and again you'll listen to something he says but it never takes root in your heart it never changes you in any way it doesn't deeply affect you you're like this first soil says Jesus you're hard you're a hard soil a number of years ago, I was a school teacher, and um, uh, certainly one of the schools I taught, I was a sixth form tutor. So it comes to that stage towards the end of the year when you have to comp- compile the reports. So whatever, every boy has got four subjects, probably eight teachers, and as you compile the reports, and sixth form students, they're meant to get something like 
half a side of A4 or a third of a side of A4. You know, you're writing decent reports on people in the sixth form. And I was compiling all these uh, reports. And I came to one, and this one boy, Michael, he had just, from his English teacher, one sentence. One sentence. Now, that's bad form. You're meant to write a lot more than that as a teacher, but just one sentence, which was, he's an enthusiastic boy, but trying to teach Michael is like trying to plant seed on a cliff of highly polished granite. (laughs) Now... Um, I mean, two things are striking about that. One, it was 15 years ago, and I still remember it, because it's a very beautiful report, isn't it, in one sense? I mean, he's an English teacher, and he's given a little bit of his heart into that report. Uh, Of course, the other side of it is that's pretty damning. Pretty damning. He's enthusiastic, but you know what? Nothing nothing goes in. Nothing goes in. Just, I throw him my wisdom, and it just goes over his head. And Jesus says there'll be some here like that, intrigued, stimulated academically by me, intrigued morally by my teaching, but does nothing, just bounces off them, really. They're never changed. The seed never takes root in them. Hard soil. Then there's the second group, which is, uh, well, the explanation comes in 2021. I'd call it shallow soil. Uh, we're told back in verse 5 that this is uh, the problem with this rocky ground is it only had shallow soil. And so, verse 20, here's one who, um, who shows enormous joy initially, comes to church, um, hears about Jesus Christ from a friend, and thinks, yeah, no, I like that. Uh, Jesus, he's very appealing. Uh, forgiveness of sins, excellent, that sounds good. Uh, save me to go to be with him for eternity in heaven, I like that. All those things... They sound nice. I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board with that. There's an initial commitment made. But then, well, in his parable, verse 6, the sun comes up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. What does that mean? Well, verse 21, Jesus interprets. Since this man has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Actually, it's precisely the same in 20 and 21. In verse 20, the the man hears the word, at once receives it with joy. Verse 21, persecution comes, he at once falls away. Actually, it's the same word in the Greek. So here's uh, perhaps an emotional response. Oh, I like it. Oh, no, I don't at all. It's, It's quick. It comes and goes. Now, what has happened here? Well, verse 21, trouble comes. And they fall away. Easy one to remember. The Greek word, scandalizo. Trouble comes and they were scandalized. Well, I didn't sign up for this. This is ridiculous. There's some good things about being a Christian, but hardship, I'm not interested in this. I'm scandalized that I would have to change my life quite so much. What you've got here is a person who essentially loves, likes Jesus Christ, but worships their comfort. And so they hear about Jesus Christ and think, okay, eternity with him forgiveness of sins. I like that. Those things make me feel comfortable. He can help me, assist me, get to my goal. But when trouble comes, well, then comfort is threatened, so Jesus has got to go. Do you see that? They like Jesus if he can provide their comfort. If comfort is threatened by trouble or persecution, well, Jesus has got to go. As soon as someone mocks 
him for being a Christian, he backs right off. As soon as there's an awkward silence when he lets someone know that he's starting the Christian faith, oh, I've got to jack this in. It's just a bit awkward for me. And Jesus says, is that you? Initial excitement, but then, oh, no. Jesus said, there'll be some like that. Don't really worship me. They worship comfort. There'll be some who like me as an assistant, but don't want me as Lord over their life. People have me as a, a lifestyle coach who encourages me to live in a certain way, but they don't want me as a savior who dies for them and demands their life. There'll be some who are shallow or in shallow soil. Hard soil, shallow soil. Third, squeeze soil. And to my mind, uh, encouragingly, for your encouragement, the warnings get a little bit harder, actually, to be honest. Increasingly alarming. So verse 22. Squeezed soil, or here's here's the one amongst the thorns. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Hard soil, you never actually profess in Jesus Christ. Shallow soil, you last only a a, a brief period of time. It's an emotional flash in the pan. This third soil, it's more concerning, I think, because it says you can drift for years thinking you're probably a Christian, but actually your life is just slowly being choked. It's not obvious. It's the frog-in-a-pan syndrome. You're slowly being choked. Someone comes along and grabs you by the neck and throttles you. That's pretty obvious. You'd respond and do something about it. But his is just slowly, slowly, slowly. Spiritual life is squeezed out of you. Choked by what? What are are these thorns? Well, we're told 22, two things. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. They're the thorns. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. And so Jesus would say, there's probably some here who have made some profession of faith in Jesus Christ. But they're not really growing. They're not becoming increasingly devoted to Jesus. They're not becoming increasingly servant-hearted towards others. They're not growing in their ability to deal with the troubles of this world without getting really stressed by them. They're not growing in faith, trust, reliance in Jesus. They're they're being choked by these two things, the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Jesus says your your soil is being... Or, obviously, his point is your heart is divided, really. Part of you wants to listen to what Jesus is saying, but part of you thinks, but life is too... There's just too many dangers in life. If I can just secure enough wealth... That will protect me. That will insulate me against the worries of life in this world. And that just squeezes spiritual life out of you, he warns. Your energy will go into pursuit of money. That will protect me. That will give me meaning. And Jesus, you can just come alongside that. Just get squeezed out over time. It's deceptive, the deceitfulness of wealth. You ever watch the... um, BBC show Hustle, 
It's quite clever in one sense, because, you know, it's about a group of con men. They're criminals, but you quite like them. That's quite clever how they do that. They do it by making the... So these con men, they always sting someone who is deeply obnoxious. So even though they're criminals, you root for them, because the obnoxious person is even more unpleasant. Um, But, of course, how does it work? They lure their mark. They lure the person in and try to sting them with money. And for an hour or maybe 55 minutes of the show, someone thinks they're going to make an enormous amount of money. And then, of course, in the last few minutes, ta-da, they've been stung by the con men. The deceptiveness, the deceit of the fraudster. And, And Jesus says, some of you will think that money can insulate you in this world, protect you from any harm coming to you. You're being conned. And at the end of your life, the deceit will be unmasked and you think, oh, I've lost everything. I've lost everything. Don't be choked, says Jesus. Is that you? Are you being choked by the worries of this life, by the deceitfulness of wealth? It's hard to notice that one. That's why I find it more worrying than the first two, because it's slow. The test is, verse 22, is there fruit? Are you fruitful? Are you growing in love for Jesus Christ, desire to serve other people? Are you being choked? A squeezed soil. Last, then, briefly. There is, encouragingly, fertile soil. Verse 23. Verse 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Here is a man who hears what Jesus says, understands it, acts upon it. And the fruitfulness of his life, the crop is phenomenal. 30 times the seed sown, I'm no great farmer, but that's, that's okay. You might expect 30-fold return upon a, a seed sown. 60, that's good. 100, that's terrific. That's genetically modified. That's, you know, that's really, something's going on there. That's special. And people, you know, people, there'll be genuine Christians who vary in how productive they are for Jesus Christ. But the striking thing is it starts so small, I think. So even just in this chapter, Matthew 13, very striking, almost all the parables Jesus uses here compare his kingdom to a little seed in different ways. All of them, if you read the chapter. In one sense, what an obvious picture for Jesus to use. A lot of farmers or fishermen, so it's a very obvious picture to use in that community. And yet also there's a genius to it because it demonstrates precisely what his kingdom is like. God himself came down to our planet, to a backwater around the Sea of Galilee and transformed the world. A tiny seed, when you plant a seed, it's it's hidden. Who knows what's taking place? And of course it can grow very, very impressively. When the... um, I'll try and put it this way. What a difference between any other sort of kingdom that you might get in this world. When the kingdom of Julius Caesar arrived on the doorsteps of Great Britain, it was pretty obvious. You know, this, you know there's a king, or he's not technically, he's, a, he's an emperor, but an um, uh, emperor riding at the head of his army. When the kingdom of Caesar arrives, it's obvious he's bringing a lot of soldiers with him and there's going to be warfare. When Charlemagne came and was riding at the head of his army, it's very obvious. There's the king trying to dominate, and there's going to be warfare and battles. When Muhammad came, he was riding at the head of an army, and his kingdom spread by conquest, military battles. When Jesus Christ came, he came 
teaching in parables, saying, I'll start small, just with seeds. But those seeds can grow and absolutely transform your life and the world. This is a fairly well-known quote from Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte, not the most obvious theologian you'd have um, noticed from history, but um, very striking. This was uh, later on in his life in exile. I know men, and I tell you, Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there's no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires, but on what do we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions would die for him. I search in vain history to find similar to Jesus Christ or anything which can approach the gospel, the teaching of his kingdom. See, Jesus won't coerce you. Jesus won't come along and sort of beat sea into you. That's not what he does. But if you accept him, if you accept that he came and died on a cross in place for you, so that you can go and be with him forever for eternity. If you accept him, well, then a seed is planted within you that will transform your life. Yes, you'll grow a crop in this life, and it'll last into eternity. That's a different sort of kingdom that he brings. Do you know that sort of power to change in your life, I wonder? So, look, Jesus says, look, what kind of soil are you? I don't know if you've felt it this morning, but he's sieving us. He's panning for gold, and lots falls away, but what's left is of substance. He's sieving us with this parable. He says, all of us sat here, we're one of four, sort, four types of soils. What are we going to do with his teaching? Now, you could be sat here and think, well, okay, well, I don't know. I don't know which type of soil I am, to be honest with you. I, I don't even like the metaphor. It seems, I want a fifth box for me. I'm different. Well, sorry about that. Um, Jesus says, if you're here and hearing him, that you'll be one of those four. What do I, how do I know? What do I do with that? Well, of course, in one sense, yeah, find out more. If you're still on the fringes of Christian thinking, find out more. We do lots of things here at church. Christianity Explored is a very obvious course we run over a few weeks for people who wonder just that. I'm intrigued, but... I'm not quite sure where I stand. But beyond that, actually, if you sat here, you've been a Christian for years, what do I do with this? You just go to the farmer. Go to the farmer, go to Jesus Christ. Even if you're a Christian, because all of us will still have thorns inhibiting us in some ways, stones that make us unproductive in other ways. Go to the farmer. I mean, if I can... If you'll permit me to push the metaphor beyond where Jesus goes. Soils, they don't change themselves. A farmer changes them. You pour in nutrients. You pour on your compost. You can change the transition. A farmer does that. A soil doesn't change itself. You need a farmer to come to pluck up the weeds, pluck out the thorns. You need a a farmer to come and remove the stones. Go to the farmer. I mean, above all else, if you look at this, I don't know what to do with this. Go to the farmer. Will be Jesus' request, demand of us. And let him change you. Because ultimately, 
He's the one who wears a crown of thorns. He's the one who, if I can put it this way, is crushed beneath the weight of stone. His father's anger against people like you and me. It is in his death upon the cross that the door to his kingdom is thrown open. So we're uncertain what to do with this. It's quite simple. Go to the farmer. Go to the farmer and put your trust in him. Do you you hear what Jesus is saying? Verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. Do you hear him? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the the kindness you give in uh, warning us that um, we'll respond in different ways to the teaching of Jesus. None of us like to be challenged, told that we're being sieved, told that we might actually be found wanting. But Father, help us to hear, to understand truly, to see clearly what Jesus is saying, not to have this seed of his word snatched away, throttled, to have a quick response that goes nowhere, but to build our lives upon him. Help us to have ears which hear clearly, we pray. Amen.